Summer has unofficially come to a close, but do not fret. It is the start of football season. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the morning after on SportsGrid. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, and across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. My usual co-host, Ariel Epstein, has the day off, but do not worry. We have so many great guests for you. In the third hour, a smattering of our best handicappers to provide you the edges all across the sports landscape as we get ready for week number one of the NFL season. Our second hour, it is Joe Lee our sports grid CFB analyst to recap the weekend that was in college football and look ahead to take an early peek at week number two and in our first hour who better to join me than Donnie Wright side himself the host of the early line right before 7 a.m to 9 a.m eastern every morning with Kevin Walsh Donnie it is a pleasure to have you here it is officially game week for the National Football League how excited are you for football season Donnie and how was your Labor Day weekend I'm excited. I'm rested. I'm ready to go. Also got the arm working for the past two hours, so I'm ready. I got the heaters coming here, Ben. Good to be with you today. I'm excited for the show. Donnie, I appreciate you filling in our first day after a holiday weekend. I need all the help that I can get, so it is great to have you here. Like I mentioned, week one of the NFL season is here. The opener of the regular season is on the horizon Thursday night. The Dallas Cowboys and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we look ahead to football, we also had some football this past weekend. My favorite sport, college football, and what a week one it was. Great games across the slate Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even last night on your Labor Day. A little spark of energy watching Ole Miss throw that football all across the yard. The Running Rebels getting a big win over Louisville, covering a nine and a half, eight and a half pregame number, depending on where you looked at it. No Lane Kiffin on the sideline. He was in the COVID protocols back in Oxford, Mississippi, but that did not slow down Matt Corral and that offense. And despite a bunch of targeting calls on the defensive side of the ball, Donnie, a great start to the college football season Ole Miss looking like a real bona fide contender in that SEC who was going to put up a ton of points all season long Donnie my question to you when you saw a total of 75 and a half close at 74 and a half pregame between the running rebels and the cards were you bold enough to take the over I was not bold enough to take the over, but I know this from before. As we like to say, Ben, and you're taking a look at these spreads that come out and the totals that come out early in the week, the always th- the thing I always like to say is there is a reason, people, why it's at 74.5. That's not an arbitrary number. Like, hey, you know what? Let's make this up and put it somewhere in the mid-70s. It was a slow start to that ball game, but seeing the final score, they got close there because Louisville actually finally showed up in the second half to try to score some points. But that is a fun offense here, and you're right, Lane Kiffin wasn't even on the sidelines for this one, making those calls in real time. It'll be interesting to see that wide open set, that, you know, run and gun, as we like to say, in the SEC to see if it holds up. But I was fairly impressed with Ole Miss. No surprise to me that they put away Louisville fairly easily. But the thing I was more impressed with, Ben, was the defense that Ole Miss played, particularly in the first half. Dead last in total defense last year was Ole Miss. They did not look to be that case in this season opener against the Louisville Cardinals. And, Donnie, you're right. When you saw that total at 74.5, 75.5, Ole Miss did their job. They hold and they held up their end of the bargain. Louisville did not score enough points, especially in that first half, to really have that total in any danger. But it got close 
in the fourth quarter, right before I went to bed last night. I'm like, is there really a shot? We might get a backdoor over here as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience the first hour of the morning after on your Tuesday. It's Ben Stevens and joined for this first hour from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern. It's Donnie Wrightside. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Donnie, I did not think the over was in play at all through the first two and a half, three quarters of this game. And then in the fourth quarter, I was thinking, okay, Louisville gets the ball back. Maybe they go down, try to get another late touchdown. Ole Miss doesn't care. They leave the door open. Maybe, just maybe, we are going to be in danger of going over. I thought that first extra point that Ole Miss missed on their first uh, touchdown of the game, I thought that might come back to haunt us with the hook. But still, staying under Does that 74.5 pregame number, Ole Miss winning 43-24, to easily covering that final 8.5 pregame spread it got all the way up to 10 and a half earlier in the week Donnie I think after the Lane Kiffin news that we learned about on Saturday it came back down worked in the favor of Louisville but Ole Miss's defense was great the offense was great Matt Corral 381 passing yards and a touchdown also ran for a score in 50 plus yards as well Donnie it was not a great weekend for the ACC however they had three top 15 teams in the preseason AP poll all of them losing when you think about Clemson, number three in the country, UNC, number 10 in the country, and of course Miami, number 14 in the country. Louisville on that national stage last night did not exactly perform up to their best for Scott Satterfield, especially offensively. So, Donnie, if you're a fan of the ACC and looking at that conference, not exactly the best picture was painted in week number one. No, it wasn't. And we'll see how that plays out for Clemson during the rest of the season. Because as we took a look, Ben, you're going to take that big swing up, a top five matchup between Georgia and Clemson. Then you're going to try to turn it around and say, what happens if Clemson does lose? You still want a marquee victory on your schedule, which maybe you can point to the ACC championship game if Clemson does get there. But how much of a marquee is that actually going to be? Do we overrate North Carolina by a large margin? Maybe so. But even the bottom you know, teams, the Georgia Techs of the world, getting upset almost 20-point favorites here from NIU. Not a good look from the ACC, but I have to say, I'm still looking at Clemson heading towards the college football playoff end. Donnie, and the FanDuel Sportsbook agrees with you. Although Clemson drops that open into Georgia, they are still a minus 750 favorite to win the ACC Conference Championship for a seventh straight year. Still minus money. Minus 164 on the yes for the Clemson Tigers to make the college football playoff. But that was college football week number one. It's also game week in the NFL. We take a look around the National Football League, some of the storylines, as we get ready for week number one to get underway. The morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid Series XM Channel 204 with Donnie Wrightside filling in for this first hour. I am Ben Stevens. It is game week in the National Football League. 48 hours until the regular season opener between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Donnie all across the league. 
we are getting impactful news that will affect these lines and totals as we get ready for week number one of the NFL season. And we got confirmation of what we all were pretty certain of heading into the week one opener for the Houston Texans against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans naming Terod Taylor, Taylor, excuse me, the starter at quarterback. No Deshaun Watson. He is on the active roster, but he will sit. Terod Taylor will be the starter for the Houston Texans week number one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game is in Houston to open up the regular season for both teams between the Jags and the Texans week number one on Sunday. The Jags, a two and a half point favorite. The total for this game, 44 and a half. Donnie, no real line movement here despite 94% of the betting handle coming in on Jacksonville against the spread. Were you shocked by the news that Terod Taylor is the starter for the Houston Texans? Yeah, absolutely not shocked by that. Also, the more shocking thing is Deshaun Watson still being on the roster for the Houston Texans. They're going to pay him about $10.5 million this year, basically to stay away, Ben, while still being not away from the football team. Is he going to run scout team? Is he going to be in the quarterback room? Is he helping Tyrod Taylor here with his you know notes on how this offense should run? Absolutely not. It's fascinating that he's still going to be in the facility. At least they plan on keeping him in the facility for most of the season. Showing up with a disgruntled worker who knows he should be on the football field but can't stand the organization, that's going to be one to watch. But also Tyrod Taylor, opening day quarterback. Ben, here's what I'm most interested in with this football game. The simple fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars are the favorite here. They lost 15 games in a row in 2020. And now we're supposed to believe they're going to go on the road with a rookie head coach with his first NFL action, as well as Trevor Lawrence, who I loved as a college quarterback. I think it is going to do wonderful things here in the NFL. But I don't know if they should be the favorite. And I know the Houston Texans had an awful offseason, almost as bad as you could possibly get. But at the same time, when I try to take a look to see what makes the most sense here, 75,000, 80,000 people are going to be screaming at the top of their lungs for the Houston Texans. I think they win this game. I'm back in Tyrod Taylor week one here, Ben. Plus 124 for a sprinkle on the money line. I agree with you, Donnie. It is not often, hardly ever, have you seen a rookie quarterback on the road be a favorite for week number one, making his NFL season regular season debut. That is what Trevor Lawrence has ahead of him on Sunday. And you bring up a great point on top of that, Donnie Wright side. It is also the NFL debut for one Urban Meyer. I have made my feelings on Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars very clear on this show, Donnie. Their team win total of six and a half. I think we could go under an alternate team win total for the Jags this year of four and a half with plus 240 of plus money positive value for you there so interesting to see a rookie quarterback on the road week number one be a two and a half point favorite 94 percent of the handle is backing the Jags on that spread the line has moved in Jacksonville's favor from one and a half where it opened to now the Jaguars favored by two and a half on the road against Terod Taylor and the Houston Texans on Sunday. By the way, the Texans team win total is four. The over has the juice at minus 120. It is the smallest team win total of all 32 NFL organizations. The Texans also the favorites right now, if you want to conceptualize it as a favorite for the worst record in the NFL this year at two to one. Now, Donnie, we move on to some more news and not great news for the Baltimore Ravens. It has been a preseason and training camp plagued by injury for the Ravens across this 
across the board, especially in that running back room. Of course, J.K. Dobbins is going to miss the year with a torn ACL. We heard of that earlier on in the preseason. Then yesterday, Justice Hill, a young running back who was going to fill in some of that playing time, tore his Achilles during practice. He will also miss the year. It has led the Ravens to work out some familiar names like Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman in that backfield. But Donnie, for the team that has led the NFL in rushing yards the past two seasons, averaging about 200 yards per game over the last two seasons for the Baltimore Ravens, anytime you lose depth, but especially in that running back room, is maybe some cause for concern. The Ravens, Donnie, still the favorites to win the AFC North at plus 115. Has anything happened this preseason that would cause you maybe to look against the Ravens as the favorites in that division? Actually, I don't have them as the favorites myself here. I think it's the Cleveland Browns, but the points that you bring up are very – this team is usually a regular season bully. They care about scoreboards, as we've seen so many wins there in the preseason over the past couple of years, because when there is a chance to compete and we are keeping score, the Ravens are about their business. We try to take down victories, but they are running football team. One of my favorite prop bets, Ben, of the entire 2021 season, I was so excited to watch J.K. Dobbins really take off, you know, blast through that 1,000-yard that thousand ceiling and carry this football team with the athlete that I know he could be. He goes down with an injury here, which, look, I love the Gus bus. I'll get on the Gus bus. But he was nice in increments here, playing that sort of like wingman, you know, Batman and Robin, or even a three-man motion in the backfield that we've seen for so many years, which included Mark Ingram. But now I know Lamar Jackson is an electric quarterback in the regular season. I think he's going to go well over his rushing prop and hit that 1,000-yard mark as well. But now we're taking a look on the outside at wide receivers. I don't like what I see. Do they have a big-time tight end? Yes. Did he get paid? He's going to be happy? Absolutely, yes. But outside of that, I know they're going to run the football. But I just think they needed more explosiveness. And now you're down to me, what was their best running back in J.K. Dobbins. Opening day? We've seen the Baltimore Ravens come out and blast opponents right off the bat. They are more prepared than anybody else, Ben, for week one. Why is that? Because they take the offseason and the preseason seriously and play their starters and care about what that scoreboard has to say. So Monday night football game, will I be surprised if they go out on the West Coast you know, and take on Vegas in a raucous atmosphere as they open up the new dome, particularly to fans? I get that. I think they can win, but my overall season prognosis takes a little bit of a step back here because, number one, I think Cleveland overall is the better football team. Even though I like the Baltimore Ravens overall, they'll get to the playoffs. They'll be competitive the whole year. I just don't know where those explosive plays are coming from from the wide receiver position, Ben. Baltimore, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite on Monday night in Vegas against the Raiders. Like Donnie mentioned, the team win total for Baltimore this year is at 11. The under has the juice at minus 120. If you also agree with Donnie Wright's side, and I certainly do, that Lamar Jackson can go over his rushing yards prop for the entire regular season. Don't forget, 17 games. It's at 900 in the hook right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Even more emphasis will be placed on Lamar Jackson, not just his legs, but trying to find somebody in that passing game as well. Big free agent acquisition in Sammy Watkins. He has had injury history throughout his NFL career. The number one overall draft pick for the Ravens, pick number 27 in the first round of this past NFL draft, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I absolutely love that pick for the Golden Gophers, for the Baltimore Ravens. Donnie, when it was made back in April, but of course Rashad Bateman will start the year with an injury of his own. So a lot of concerns around this Baltimore offense as they look to win the AFC North. They also have the third shortest odds to win the AFC at plus 650. One final note as well, Donnie, for that Thursday night regular season opener, not great news for the Dallas Cowboys. Zach Martin, their Pro Bowl guard, has been placed on the COVID-19 list. He will most likely miss this game due to 
COVID protocols. The Cowboys, a seven and a half point underdog against the reigning Super Bowl champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Donnie, I think the bigger overall point here, not just for Zach Martin and the Dallas Cowboys, but anytime you see anybody placed on the COVID-19 list and in those health and safety protocols, it will have an effect on regular season games, not just missing practice time or training camp time, but they will miss regular season games. Always something to pay attention to as we get ready for the 2021 campaign. Absolutely. Take a look at that Todd Bowles defense. They're going to be pinning their ears back getting after. It was already a great, you know, defensive line, which now is going to be even more intriguing going up against one of the best football players on the team. Zeke Elliott even said this, Ben. The best football player that we have on offense is Zach Martin. That's really going to hurt, but also from a handicapping and a betting perspective. I thought we were going to be through this last year in 2020 watching it play out, but you're trying to beat the lines, get that CLV, which is so important midweek or early week to have somebody test positive or be a close contact and sit out for that football game. Keep your eyes on that. Do we know how much it's going to impact 2021? No, but one thing we can be for sure, Ben, there will be an impact from that. Zach Martin, the first, but he will certainly not be the last. Something to always pay attention to, especially early in the week as you're trying to beat that market and beat the line movement. So, yeah, it's football season, college football, NFL game week. But don't forget Major League Baseball coming down the home stretch. We look back on the weekend, see how it affected the playoff race here on the morning after on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid rolls on in our first hour. I am Ben Stevens, joined by Donnie Wrightside until 10 a.m. Eastern. We are recapping the weekend that was in Major League Baseball. A long holiday weekend, Donnie, but a lot of impactful games and impactful series that certainly paint a picture for that playoff look as we get down here the home stretch inside 30 games left of this Major League Baseball season. A battle near the top of the American League East played out this weekend as well. The Boston Red Sox hosting the Tampa Bay Rays. Yesterday, things looked very good for the guys in Beantown. They were up 7-1 to one over the Tampa Bay Rays before the Rays rallied to win in extra innings, winning 11-10 over the Red Sox in 10 innings, Donnie. Unsurprisingly, the Boston Red Sox, when they had a six or more run lead against the Tampa Bay Rays in franchise history, were a perfect 69-0. Well, that winning streak did not get to 70 yesterday because the Rays rallied for a win. They have the best record in the American League. They hold an eight-and-a-half game lead in the AL East. So not a great day for the Red Sox inside Fenway. But Donnie, somehow these Tampa Bay Rays just continue to impress me, continue to win, and I still think hold value when you look at the American League pennant odds. Isn't it amazing, Ben? Like, year after year, he said, okay, this is the year the Rays can't do much here. Look at their starting pitcher. Most people can't name a single starting pitcher that they have. Back of the bullpen, which is dominant, most people don't have those household names that we see across Major League Baseball. And the lineup itself, hey, Nelson Cruz comes over, probably their most famous player, and they didn't even have him till up to a couple weeks ago at the trade deadline. But we can't start doubting the Tampa Bay Rays now because it seems like year after year after year, they're still in the same spot, meaning, 
How do they do it? I don't know. But every year, Ben, they keep doing it. So it's going to be time for me to stop saying they can't do it this year. They're one game back of the best overall record in the entire major leagues. An eight-and-a-half game lead now in the AL East. This is just what they do. They're 87-51. and 51. Every year it seems like, hey, they lost Glass now as a pitcher. You know, Snell leaves last year, Cy Young Award caliber type pitcher. And they don't miss a beat. Each and every night they start with a starting pitcher. You say, how does this guy get anybody out? But they do it time and time again and getting timely hitting here. You're right. The value on the Tampa Bay Rays heading into the postseason even though, as I just said, Ben, one game out of the best record in baseball, it feels like nobody respects them and they fly under the radar. And I got to feel like, Kev, uh, Ben, they actually like that. I think they do, Donnie. I think you could go down to Tampa Bay, Florida and ask people on the street, Benny and the Betts in the Sunshine State, if they could name three players on that Tampa Bay Rays offensive starting lineup. And I don't think people could. And that includes one of the best young stars in all of Major League Baseball, Wander Franco, who yesterday with a four-hit day against the Boston Red Sox, upped his on-base streak to 36 consecutive games. The Rays hold an eight-and-a-half game lead in the American League East for that top spot. They are minus 1250 to win that division against the likes of the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, and the Toronto Blue Jays. And like you mentioned, Donnie, the Rays still with some value in that American League pennant market. Yes, it did, it did move over the weekend. They are now tied with the Chicago White Sox at 3-1, to one, the second-best odds to win the American League behind the Houston Astros, who are at plus 195. But the Rays last week on Thursday, on Friday, were still plus 350 to claim the AL pennant, what they did last year. And they're doing this all without Tyler Glass now, now. And they're doing it without Blake Snell, who is in San Diego. But Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in the entire sport. Fields a team that truly believes, and although they're not big-name household-type players, they are still playing some great baseball, the best record in the American League, plus 300 to win the American League pennant. A team trying to get in to the American League postseason picture is the Toronto Blue Jays, another team in that AL East division, and they are not trying to do it just based off the long ball. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting his 40th home run of the season yesterday, continuing to rake for that Toronto Blue Jays lineup. Now, Vladdy and his father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., the second father-son duo in Major League Baseball history to both hit 40 home runs in a season, Cecil and Prince Fielder the other. And as you're seeing on this graphic there, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the youngest player in Toronto Blue Jays history to hit 40 home runs in a single season. I mentioned, Donnie, these Toronto Blue Jays, kind of hot at the moment. They have won five straight, eight of their last ten, still three games back of that second and final AL wildcard spot behind the Boston Red Sox, another team in the American League East. Do you believe, Donnie Wright side, Toronto has enough juice to catch the Red Sox and maybe be a part of that AL wildcard game? Yeah, anything's possible at this point right now because how do you make up games in Major League Baseball down the stretch? You get hot, as you said, 8-2 and two over the last 10 games, a five-game winning streak, also coupled with teams that are struggling a little bit. The Boston Red Sox 5-5 five and five in the last 10, and the New York Yankees at 3-7. and seven. I know we had the graphic up there talking about Vladdy Jr. What an amazing performance by a young baseball player on the year. Let's not forget also, if there was one team that you gave an exit clause here, Ben, on the 2021 Major League Baseball season, it would probably be the Toronto Blue Jays. Because again, the Yankees are in the division. The Rays are in the division. How can they compete out here? You know, the Boston Red Sox. And also keep in mind, yeah, they had three different homes this year as their home turf down in Florida, in Buffalo, now back to Toronto and playing some of their best baseball of the season. And Vladdy Jr., 
40 home runs heading into that territory. He would be the MVP of the American League if it was not for Shohei Otani's amazing performances here on the mound and also at the plate. But big-time players need to step up in big-time games. Vladimir Jr. can do that down the stretch here for Toronto. They're hot as long as they stay hot. Maybe those Yankees and Boston Red Sox continue to falter a little bit where you look into that rear-view mirror now and see Toronto charging. Should be a fun last three weeks of the season, no doubt about it. The Yankees only a half-game lead over the Boston Red Sox for that top spot in the American League wildcard picture. But you are seeing a lot of teams in the American League East contending for those two AL wildcard spots. But as we mentioned, nobody is going to catch the Tampa Bay Rays. Shohei Otani still the heavy, heavy, heavy odds-on favorite to win the American League MVP. He is minus 7,000 to do just that. Vladdy Jr., the second-best odds at plus 1,500. So still a lot of ground to make up. Shohei Otani, 43 home runs this year. Salvador Perez, who has quietly had a great year, 41 home runs. And then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in that third spot with 40 home runs. Only three players, Donnie, younger, 22 years old or younger in Major League Baseball history have hit 40 home runs in a single regular season faster than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So he is putting up historic numbers and stats for the Toronto Blue Jays this season. So we looked at the American League. Now over in the National League, it was a big weekend up in the Bay. The San Francisco Giants taking two or three from their bitter division rivals in the Los Angeles Dodgers. A very impactful series race. For When you look at that divisional standings in the NL West, the Giants now hold a full one-game lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Giants now have been the best record in all of Major League Baseball for 92 days of this Major League Baseball season. They also beat the Rockies yesterday, Donnie, in Colorado. A lot of people expected that game at Coors Field to be a letdown for the Giants, but they beat the Rocks 10-5 to despite holding a one-game lead with only about 25 games left. In this Major League Baseball season, the Giants still the second shortest odds to win the NL West division at plus 180. The Dodgers still the heavy odds on favorite at minus 220. The Giants, Donnie, the best record in all of Major League Baseball, yet still a plus money price next to their name to win the National League West. Been that way the whole year. Been that way the whole year, Ben. Take a look at April, May, June. Sooner or later, they're going to fall off. July, they're going to fall off. August, they're going to fall off. And then you saw them slip back by about a half game and quickly regain that lead. I still do think the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to end up winning the NL West. That's just my philosophy. I've stuck that way the entire season until I see that Z or that X by the name of the Giants, which means they clinched the division. That's when it's going to be saying, you know what? Maybe they are the best team in the NL West. I still have hope that the Dodgers can get that done. But also, let's take a look at the NL West as a whole. Phenomenal baseball being played by these three teams. And also, they're going to match up quite a bit over the next couple weeks. It can't be lost when we take a look at the wild card standings where the San Diego Padres, technically right now, if the season ended, they would be in the playoffs. But one of the more unbelievable schedules starting on September 10th throughout the rest of the last three weeks here in the baseball season for the Padres, I don't think, even if if they can be 500, that's probably not going to be enough to get them into it. But when you play a ton of games against the Dodgers, a ton of games against the Giants, you're going to beat each other up there, which maybe leads to those Cincinnati Reds, the Philadelphia Phillies, even the longer shot teams are like the Cardinals and the Mets to try to climb up in there. Those teams have some interesting advantages heading towards it. But again, the top of that division, probably going to go right down to, Ben, as we would like to think the last three to four days of the season, and rightfully so. An unbelievable race setting up not only in the NOS, but also for that wild card spot in the National League as well. 
The Giants with the third shortest odds to win the National League pennant at plus 370. Of course, the Dodgers, the favorites at plus 125. The Milwaukee Brewers, the second best odds at plus 350. You mentioned it, Donnie. Your Phillies are absolutely red hot. Now a factor in that National League wildcard race. The Padres still have 10 games left against the San Francisco Giants throughout the rest of this Major League Baseball season and this home stretch. But right now, the Padres with a one-game lead for that second and final NL wildcard spot. That's thanks in part to the Chicago Cubs? What? The Cubbies? The AAA affiliate? The Chicago Cubs have won seven straight games and are knocking around the Cincinnati Reds, who, Donnie, are struggling right now. They have lost seven of their last nine games, but the Cubs playing good baseball. It is allowed everybody in the city of San Diego to cheer on Chicago for that one-game advantage for that second and final NL wildcard spot. Yeah, you usually have a spoiler alert like on a movie. No, don't tell me how it ends here. Well, how about this spoiler alert Major League Baseball with the Chicago Cubs? You're helping out everybody else. You need a little help from your friends in order to get into the playoffs, and the Cubs might be those friends to some of those teams that are vying and jockeying for position here in the NL to try to get that wild card spot. The game today, by the way, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers, Nola versus Lauer. You got to take this game for the Phillies after that big win yesterday. So some interesting doings down the stretch. I'm looking forward to it, Ben. The Phillies blanking 12-0 yesterday. Aaron Nola on the road this year. Not nearly as good at home in the city of brotherly love, but a big game against the Milwaukee Brewers for one of the hottest teams in all of Major League Baseball. Donnie, we need some make playoff odds up once again on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Only about 25 games left in this Major League Baseball season. This would be the perfect time, FanDuel. I hope you're listening. I know you are. Let's get some of those odds. Let's get some wagers in on the playoff picture in the majors. But... It is game week in the NFL season. We look ahead to some week one lines that might be moving prior to Sunday. Donnie and I do that next. Stay with us here on The Morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM channel 204. I am Ben Stevens joined by Donnie Wrightside for this first hour here on your Tuesday after the long Labor Day weekend. But do not fear if you're back at work today, know that hope is on the horizon. There is a light at the end of this tunnel and it is known as NFL football. Thursday begins the NFL regular season, an opener between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then a full Week one slate on Sunday capped off by a Monday night game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas out in the desert. There will be tons of line movement this week, folks, as the decreased interest in this NFL slate gets upped once again. So you can expect to see numbers move past. And we know all about key numbers in the NFL, those key numbers of three and seven. So as you are monitoring those lines this week, make sure to pay attention to not only depth chart discussions, but injury reports. And in Indianapolis, 
There is positivity surrounding the week one starter at quarterback. Of course, Carson Wentz undergoing foot surgery in the preseason, but all the vibes are pointing to a positive return for Carson Wentz being ready for week number one. That is also the summation of our very own pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, who early on was skeptical that Carson Wentz might be able to return for that week one opener for the Colts as they host the Seattle Seahawks. Now it's seeming like Carson Wentz will be ready and under center for the Colts week number one. This is Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc. Let's talk Carson Wentz. No, I have not flipped about his injury, but I do now believe that Carson Wentz will be the week one Colts starter, and here is why. No question he's recovering at the faster timeline, but still there's no question he won't be 100% week one. All along the Colts have said, he's not playing unless he's 100% which is why I said he's not the week one starter, maybe a couple weeks down the road. But here's what's changed. Sam Ellinger's ACL sprain, where he's out a month. Mm -hmm. I get it. Sam isn't even the backup. He's the backup to the backup. But here's why I believe Carson Wentz will now start. Jacob Eason could be the starter, but then who would back him up? No more Sam Ellinger. The newly acquired Brent Hundley? I'm not sure he's ready to run an NFL offense. And you cannot go into an NFL game with just one solid quarterback, one hit away from disaster. So what do you do? What do the Colts do? Do they put Carson Wentz in as number two? Okay, but if he's dressed and ready to go at number two because he's 90 or 95%, why don't they just start him as the number one and have Jacob Eason back up? That's the logic that I think the Colts will apply. That's why I believe Carson Wentz will start week one for the Colts. I don't believe he'll be 100%. He'll be close enough to be effective. Obviously, he's got to come off the COVID list, and that hurts him a little bit in terms of practice time, et cetera. But that's why medically, I don't think the situation has changed. He's not going to be 100%. But from a team mentality, they need Carson to start and have Jacob Eason as the backup there. So the Sam Ellinger injury dominoes lead to this change of opinion for me, not the health situation. And admittedly, Carson has looked well so far. This is Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc. Go download the preseason injury preview and other features at profootballdoc.com. Thanks for watching. Tony, we have seen Tons of line movement on this opener between the Seattle Seahawks and the Indianapolis Colts in Indy this upcoming Sunday. The line opened up. Indy was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. It has now flipped completely past zero. The Colts, a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. I think a lot of that was surrounding the injury concerns around Carson Wentz. But, Donnie, I think when it is official... If the Indianapolis Colts do indeed name Carson Wentz that week one starter, we can expect to see even more line movement on this game between Seattle and Indianapolis. You're exactly correct, Ben, because what did we see in the offseason? You know, we're looking for a healthy football season for the Indianapolis Colts. They make the move to get Carson Wentz. Then all of a sudden, you know, we show up to training camp. Carson Wentz goes down. Quentin Nelson goes down. We're not too sure if they're going to play week one, but it looks like now they are going to. Also, T.Y. Hilton, probably their best overall wide receiver, is going to miss a couple weeks here with a herniated disc or some neck issues that he has. But you are so correct. You opened up as a favorite for the Colts. Then it goes over to Seattle as a favorite, two and a half in that three range when you saw Wentz with the broken foot 
but we didn't think there was any chance he'd be ready for week one. But then you saw when Carson Wentz looks like he was coming back and no move was to be made to pick up a veteran backup quarterback. That sort of gave you the signal that they felt that they were going to be okay with Wentz being back in week one. That line dropped down to a plus one for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously being a slight favorite here for the, for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. But now we're seeing where the COVID protocols come into play. That line jumps back up to two and a half. And yes, man, I do agree. Once Wentz has made the start and we see that first opening game lineup that we're going to anticipate for the Indianapolis Colts, it's probably going to get closer to that pick them that plus one level here. It'll be interesting to see because if you don't have a full offseason and if you do get banged up with an injury on a new system, even though Frank Reich does have great a great history, I should say, with Carson Wentz back in Philadelphia, we'll see if that translates to the field. Still interested in the Colts in this one, but very hard to bet, Ben, out of the gate saying so many question marks surrounding Carson Wentz in that offense right now for me. And you bring up a great point about the COVID-19 protocols because even when Carson Wentz did return to practice after that foot surgery placed on the COVID protocols, missed some more times with the ones getting those reps with his offensive line that has also been banged up throughout this preseason and training camp portion of the NFL slate. So there are two ways to bet this right now. If you want to back the Colts, do so at the moment. Take the two and a half points as the home underdog on Sunday. If you lean to Seattle and think the Seahawks can win this game straight up, wait for that line movement after Carson Wentz is or if he is named the week one starter for Indianapolis. You always want to get the best number that is so important in game week, week number one of this NFL campaign. Donnie, another line that is certainly intriguing to me is what I anticipate to be a great matchup in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills at home this Sunday hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bills a six and a half point favorite, but throughout the summer we have seen fluctuation around this line, even getting past that key number of seven in favor of Buffalo. I saw it just last week, the Bills favored by seven but now the Steelers a six and a half point underdog working past that key number of seven so a lot on the line here for this game between the Bills and the Steelers to open up the season Donnie what have you made of this line movement between the Steelers and the Bills for week number one I think it's just about right here, Ben, for my liking, six and a half, because I do think the Buffalo Bills will win this football game, and I think they can get it done by a touchdown or more. The one thing that had the most issues with for off coming off of, you know, last season for the Steelers heading into the offseason, they rebuilt their offensive line. And I'm not necessarily looking for that they rebuilt it towards a better part and a strength of their football team this year. But the one lasting image I have is down the stretch, Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, taking a snap in a shotgun position and barely able to move. A, a hop step back and maybe a flip out to a seven-yard slant pass. Seemed like that was the majority of their offense. I love the Steelers' young wide receiver core. Don't get me wrong. Love the running back they drafted in the first round out of Alabama. That should work wonders, but nothing can happen unless that front line is going to be able to hold up against the Buffalo Bills. Keep in mind, this game is at the Bills in Orchard Park. One of the more rabid fan bases in the NFL that barely had anybody in the stands at all last year. Now going to have a full house. They will be in a rabid atmosphere getting after it. And I don't know if Big Ben can hold up in this one. I'm looking towards the Buffalo Bills, but I do think that six to six and a half price is valid on the Bills. I think they can get this one done by a touchdown. That's just for me, Ben, saying I just don't trust the Steelers' front line, and I need to see something out of Ben Roethlisberger early in the season. Drop 30 pounds, looks great. Best shape of my life, Ben. We hear that all the time. We'll see if it actually comes true on Sunday.
Donnie, this game to me seems like a prime example of how to approach in-game live wagering for week number one, because I think you're right. I think the number is squarely fair on the Buffalo Bills. I would put them around this six and a half point favorite, but now that you're inside that key number of one or seven, it might seem like a good time to jump over Buffalo, but I think you want to see what happens early on in this game between the Bills and the Steelers. And Donnie, you are one of the best handicappers when it comes to live betting across the sports landscape. How do you advise the casual sports better if they want to dive in on live wagering for week number one of the NFL slate. You'll know right away, and we can just keep it to this game right here because as I was just talking about the offensive line, if you see the Steelers able to hold up new offensive coordinator, new look offense, Big Ben in the offseason, say, hey, we're going to be so unpredictable this year, it's going to be great. Everybody knew what we were doing last year, but if that pass rush is be able to get held at bay in the first and second quarter, because as we know, Ben, the more pass rushes on a pass rusher, he gets tired by the end of that football game. Mm. You'll know a lot about the Steelers if they can be a live dog in this situation. Those are some of the type of things that I look for, how the teams come out to play right away is there any key injuries that we're missing out or even if a team is down the fandom sportsbook offers live team totals here you could be down 20 points in the game and say you know what that live team total is 10 and a half sign me up they'll get some garbage points in the fourth quarter can't wait for the season to get underway and Donnie, I think you bring up another great point about the de defenses we can expect to see on Sunday in Orchard Park. Of course, the Bills have a very good defense entering 2021. That Pittsburgh Steelers front expected to be very good once again. This total has dropped by a full two points from where it opened at 50 and a half, now down to 48 and a half. 56% of the betting handle is on the under at the moment. Donnie, another line that catches my eye for this week number one NFL slate is a line that we have seen tons of movement on, really dating back to the early portion of May when it first opened up with the Green Bay Packers as a two-and-a-half-point road underdog visiting the New Orleans Saints. Of course, a lot of that was around the uncertainty of if Aaron Rodgers would be back as the starting quarterback for Green Bay this season. Once it was confirmed, the Packers became a two-and-a-half, even three-point favorite. And then because this game has been moved from New Orleans due to Hurricane Ida down to Jacksonville, the FanDuel Sportsbook had this game off the board for a good majority of this past week. It is back on the board, and the Packers now even a stronger favorite at minus four we have seen tons of line movement here donnie how do you best go about approaching this game knowing that all the line movement we have seen really dating back for the past couple of months yeah, less question marks here for the Green Bay Packers for me, Ben, in this ballgame. You're going to have, you know, your all-world quarterback under center in Aaron Rodgers, the team coming in healthy, as we see. And also keep in mind, one of the better home field advantages in all of sports is down in the dome, particularly at a 4 o'clock game or a primetime game. Jamie Swinson, a quarterback, I think he's going to do some very big things for New Orleans. But you're catching a football team that's anticipated making a deep run here into the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl championship in the Green Bay Packers. The fact that they don't have to listen to that crowd on third down, down in the Dome. That is a huge win for them, but sneaky here are the New Orleans Saints, particularly with their team total around that 23 range. I think they get to the mid-20s, put up a fight, but in the end, Ben, it's going to be Green Bay that pulls out this victory here. And this total, Donnie, when it finally opened up on the FanDuel Sportsbook, was hovering around 52, 52 in the hook. It is now down to 50 because, once again, this game will be played at the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars down there in the Sunshine State. Another game, Donnie, we have seen tons of movement on, and we have seen tons of movement in your NFC East, the Giants and the Broncos. The Broncos opened up as an underdog. They are now a two-and-a-half-point favorite over New York in MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. I mentioned that movement in the NFC East. 
back in late July, the Cowboys were the favorite to win the division at plus 105. They are still the favorite, but at plus 150. The football team getting closer and closer at 2-1. to one. And your Eagles and the Giants, Donnie, tied at plus 450 for the longest odds in that division. Quickly here, only about 45 seconds left. What do you make of the NFC East this year? Is it going to be another stinker like it was last season? It could be a stinker like it was last season, but I do think the football team might have a slight edge here over the Dallas Cowboys, particularly with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Giants bringing up the rear, but also taking a look at that game this weekend. Denver starting Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's going to help them this game. I thought Drew Locke should have been the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos for the health of the Denver Broncos franchise to see if he could be a franchise guy. But to keep it short, Teddy Bridgewater on the road, he just needs to make a couple plays here. I think Denver's the better football team that beats the Giants in their own backyard. When you look across that board, Donnie, 41 and a half, the smallest total for week number one wow. of this NFL season. We round out our number one of the morning after with one final talk with Donnie Wright's side as we close out our number one here to return on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 204. Stay with us. The winning SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM channel 204 with Donnie Wrightside for one final quick segment. I am Ben Stevens and Donnie, this final segment is Fade the Public. All right, so of course, I am a college football guy. I wanted to ask the people how they felt about weekend number one of the college football season. So many great games across the slate. It got started on Wednesday, Thursday night with some top 10 teams in action. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday. And Donnie, the resounding answer here for the favorite game of the weekend was that game, an ACC matchup of yesteryear between Notre Dame and Florida State. Nearly 68.6% of the public saying Notre Dame and Florida State, the matchup between the Knowles and the Irish was the best game of the weekend. Who am I to argue, Donnie Wrightside? It was a great game that went into overtime with the Knowles even covering a 7.5-point spread. So, Donnie, I ask you, are you fading the public? I mean, yes, fading the public in that instance. By the way, when you take a look at the Florida State Seminoles in that game, when you had Notre Dame coming into town, you know what was interesting about that? Look, Bobby Bowden night, you had a lot of intrigue. You might have had a storyline ready for a movie, Ben, as we take a look at it, because why? Mackenzie Milton, does he come in? He's streaking up the charts now to be possibly a Heisman candidate trophy, or a Heisman trophy candidate. Amazing stuff here. I love the game. I'll fade the public. That was the greatest game of the night for sure. Mackenzie Milton, after suffering a catastrophic knee injury back, it was truly a storybook ending. The Knowles couldn't quite win the game, but Mike Norvell turning things around there in Tallahassee. Donnie Wrightside, the biggest round of applause for you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us here on this first hour of the morning after. Donnie hosts the early line each and every morning leading into the morning after 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern with our good pal Kevin Walsh. Donnie, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your day. 
Fantastic stuff. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here as always, Ben. Our number one has come to a close. Our number two is on the docket. We are joined by sports college football analyst Joe Lisi to look back at weekend number one and look ahead to week two of the college football campaign. More of the morning. How to spot a sports gaming winner. They listen to us. Don't rely on luck. Get the expert information you need. The winning edge. 